everybody. Welcome back to the Light and Life podcast, conversations on faith and life from downtown Colorado Springs. I'm your host, Liza Cunningham, and I'm here today with our lead pastor, Tim McConnell. And today we're talking about the presence of God. The presence of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got a lot of friends saying, you know, that they just don't feel God's presence. Okay. Yeah. Well, Liza, I just want to say I'm so grateful that you're doing this. Um, It's just awesome that you're spending your time uh, doing this for your church and for the Lord and for ministry. And um, (laughs) it's been a few months, a couple months now. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we're up to a million and a half listeners is what I I think has happened. I think that too. (laughs) And and you know what, guys? A little something about Pastor Tim. He does vocal exercises it's true. Be- before the podcast. You want to give him a little one-two? This magic voice doesn't happen just <laughs> You, you don't wake up naturally. Just, that's right. Got it. Got it. <laughs> oh, Lord. We were just doing a couple vocal exercises to get the podcast really singing. Mm-hmm. But um, no, you know what? Uh, you have to have a good voice to talk about the presence of God. I think you do. Like I've always wanted, sometimes I have a cold and I preach and I'm so happy because you think sound, it sounds better? Yeah. More like, profound? It sounds like uh, when Moses is hearing from God from the burning bush. Wow. The Lord said unto <laughs> the Israelites. I, You know what? I heard that's exactly what he sounded like. Yeah. Actually. I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> Uncanny. On, on target. Oh, man. Um, but well, seriously, we don't we don't care about how many listeners <laughs> are <laughs> And there's certainly and, not a million. The Light and Life podcast is, uh, folks, this is us having a conversation here in our church about faith and life. And I hope that this helps you uh, to speak about Jesus, just to have conversations about Jesus and to be blessed by a minute of Christian fellowship and feeling like, ooh, I get to be at church wherever I am. So wherever you are, uh, be blessed today. And and that kind of feeds into your question, um, Liza, about the presence of God. How, how do you feel the presence of God? Where is the presence of God? Mm-hmm. So a lot of your friends... Um, Talk about talk about that. As yeah, a I'd say I'd say a pattern um, that I'm picking up on is that people know God is there and and they believe it. They do. They have faith. They don't feel it. And so, you know, what do you think about God's presence? And why is it that new believers, for example, feel His presence so powerfully, mm-hmm. but people who have been in the church for years, you know, just feel pretty stagnant and, and can't seem to find him or feel him. Mm. Yeah, I loved this question, and um, I think people don't always know how to sort of articulate what they're feeling, but uh, it's a common Christian experience. It's a common experience that you have a time, a season where it feels like God is in your life like fire, like God is like a heat and a light that is surrounding you every minute, like that ring of fire, Holy Spirit feeling. And um, and then times where it just feels like I believe in God. Intellectually, I, I believe the same things, um, but I just don't feel his presence. And how can, I, uh, how can I restore that? How can I bring that back? So mm-hmm. I love that question. I've thought about a couple of, of things, and, um, and let's, let's jump into it. I mean, the first thing to say is that any new believer is going to feel God's presence powerfully. Um, anybody who is new to faith is going to feel God's presence like the sun has just come up in the morning. Like It's like a fire. It's like breaking through the water and breathing oxygen 
after you've your lungs have been burning. And there's a few reasons for that. There's a few reasons for that, I believe. One is we were wired up for relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about this a little bit in the past already, but um, I firmly believe that every human being has got a need to be in relationship with God. We're just born with it. We have a thirst for eternity within us, um, and we we have a thirst for God. And so when that thirst is relieved for the first time, that is a flush of emotion. So that's one thing. Second is anything new gets your attention. So um, if, I mean, this is for anything. Like if you um, came home and your roommate has put a new chair in the middle of the room or the wall's been painted, that gets your attention. And so when your relationship with God is new, uh, your attention is naturally uh, is naturally headed toward that. You're going to recognize, oh, this is a new thing. This is a new thing in my life, mm-hmm. this, this presence of God. Um, and, uh, and I think the third thing is, is that when your relationship with God is new, you feel his presence so powerfully, so regularly, so constantly, because you see everything in the world differently than you did before. In a completely new light. Yeah. Yeah. There's a new light. Um, like we talked about at the beginning of the, of this podcast, the light in life podcast, that the light of Christ changes everything around you. So. Uh, C.S. Lewis has a great quote about that. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Mm. So in that new faith, you see the whole world differently. Right. So does that does that ring true for you? Oh, absolutely. I. Um, it, it's funny that you say that because recently I had a friend who went to a funeral and um, – her family does not believe mm. in the Lord. And mm. she said that it, it came with this sense of finality mm. that just didn't need to be there. That she, so her heart was hurting and and thirsting for eternity in that way. But, you know, in my experience growing up, I think I said this in an earlier episode, but my my knowledge of God spurred from a very, educational standpoint and not necessarily an emotional standpoint. And I'm a very uh, touchy-feely person. Um, I <laughs> I make a lot of decisions based on emotion. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm emotional. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. again, it wasn't until late into college that I started to experience God personally. And now, now that I know Jesus in my heart, I can see him in the little things. And it's because I actively look and think to do it. But it is a practice that I need to um, posture myself for, mm. you know, through reading prayer, what have you, right? But I yeah, can right. see him in yeah. the little things throughout the day, like other people's smiles or their laughter, um, even, you know, nature. A lot, nature's a huge thing for some people, and some people it's not. But for me, you know, I I feel the joy of the Lord when the sun shines on my shoulders. Yeah. and. I can, you know, feel prompted by him to respond to challenging situations or emotional hardships going around me. Um, so I really do see the world in yeah. a different light than I did, you know, early years of college or before that. Before um, knowing, before knowing Jesus. I mean, before right. that relationship was in your life with the right. Lord. Yeah, what you're saying about I'm sorry about what your friend. Um, 
went through, and um, mm-hmm. and that that just prompted me to think of the scripture that I always think about when I'm talking about how we're all hungry for eternity. Like we go to a funeral and we think it just doesn't have to be final. There, there's something wrong. Like you don't just go there. People say that whole idea of death is your friend or death is natural part of life. Uh, we can try to say that over and over again, but there's something inside us that's just like, this is wrong. There's something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a verse uh, in Ecclesiastes 3.11. says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And what I get from that is that we have all got eternity set in our heart in a way that makes us thirst for this relationship with God. Everybody thirsts for it. And so the first time you believe, um, you have, for the first time in your life, you have felt that thirst satisfied. Uh, The lights have gone on. Mm -hmm. The relationship is new. Everything's new, and it's fresh, and it's changing the way you see everything. And to be honest, when you're a new believer— it's a, I think it's a real gift of the Holy Spirit, but you don't have to try hard to feel the presence of God. Right. It's just there. Mm-hmm. Right? But when you're not, you know, when you've had this experience for the longest time, it, I'd say often you only feel it. I, I'm, I'm putting up quotation marks Air with my fingers. In, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but you only feel it when you really need it. And yeah. You know, it's easy to get frustrated in the hard times because for me personally, that's when I feel such an intimate closeness to God. Yeah. And so I get mad, you know, and I ask, why can I only feel you in the hard times when I do truly feel that I need him? Yeah. Right? Like why Yep. Why can't I feel him in the good and the bad? Because I want to feel him in the joy. And and to an extent I do, but I wouldn't say it's as real to me or as um emotional to yeah me. the flush right of, right so i'm a dad i've had the blessing of watching four children come into the world mm-hmm. and seeing their first breath and i just think that it is such a fitting image um like and of course a, an infant is receiving oxygen, mm-hmm. but there's still, but, but you think about like, that's your first breath. That's your first time of receiving oxygen in your lungs. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. That changes everything. Um, but do you recognize the presence of oxygen right now? You know? No. You don't. So the only time you really need it, so it's normal, it's regular, it's always there. And now you just start to forget about it. You're habituated mm-hmm. to it. And the only time you feel it is when you're stuck underwater too long or you suddenly feel like, I can't breathe. Mm -hmm. And then you recognize, oh, I really need it. And so that's a common experience for Christians for sure is that it gets normalized and then it starts to be that you only feel that same sort of flush of the presence of God when you're in a moment where you really need him. Mm. So then what do you suggest? Not not to sound harsh, but um, that's such a good analogy, and I've never heard it put into words that way, so thank you. Mm. Um, but when it comes to putting this into practice, 
what what are your suggestions there? Yeah, besides um, enter into a great existential life crisis, maybe. Mm. Yeah, I'm very familiar <laughs> with those. <laughs> I, I experience them quite often. Like, I want to experience uh, God more. Okay, um, you know, get into a car accident or something. No, oh. but <laughs> hey, <laughs> like tra- trash your um, most important relationships. Oh, yep. Um, <laughs> here, cause, here. Cause, cause, <laughs> check, check, check. Because um, we will definitely feel the presence of the Lord when we go down on our knees and we need him out of desperation. That's true. But the I think as we mature as Christian disciples, we want to cultivate the presence of God. We want to walk through life with the presence of God. And so it's it's hard when you don't feel it. Mm-hmm. But um, but I want to suggest two things. Uh, two things. One is um, this is so common that in Christian history, it has been expressed and written about uh, throughout uh, the Christian experience. So an example of that would be St. John of the Cross, who was a medieval Spanish monk in the 16th century. Imagine that being your job title. Yeah, right. Medieval monk. Medieval monk. Mm. Yeah. And um, (laughs) But he wrote a a poem that... um, I just saw actually a friend reading it. I didn't know she was she was reading this uh, this poem, uh, but people still it's easy to get a copy. Of this it's easy to write it. It's very profound. It's called the Dark Night of the Soul, and he writes about this feeling of how God's love had gone cold for him. He uh, he believed in God. He loves the Lord. He's given his life obviously to serve the Lord, but he suddenly got this feeling like um, I don't feel God's presence the way that I used to, or that I love to. And so he goes through a process of recognizing that this is actually part of maturing in Christian faith. Mm-hmm. One of the things he says, um, I'm going to give you a couple of quotes here from that. Hit me. Hit you. <laughs> so one of the things he wrote is he said, God's first language is silence. So we think that when God is silent or when it feels like God has gone quiet, um, oh, God doesn't love me, God isn't talking to me, God isn't addressing me in the way that he used mm-hmm. to. And he's saying, wait a minute, God's first language is silence. Silence might be the way that God is speaking to you right now. Wow. That's pretty profound to think about. Um, that is. And then he said, uh, never give up prayer. And should you find dryness and difficulty, persevere in it for this very reason. God often desires to see what love your soul has, and love is not tried by ease and satisfaction. So what's he saying there? He's saying that um, keeping you comfortable and satisfied is not necessarily the way that you're going to grow. And God is more interested in developing your character than defending your comfort. And so there's times where God, just like a father, just like a parent, um, God is going to see you through, see you go through some trials, some difficult times, and know that that's actually where you're going to grow. I think an image of this is, um, I'm thinking about babies a lot, I guess, but, <laughs> but it's like when a baby is learning to walk, at first, the you know when I was teaching my little kids to walk, 
Uh, they've got both their hands in the air, and they're holding onto my fingers with this grip with both their hands, and you're sort of stepping them forward, and they're leaning forward, and they're always holding on to your hand. Well, at some point, you sort of pull your hand away, and that's actually when the child learns how to walk. Uh, it's not by holding onto the hand. It, it's by letting go. And I think what John of the Cross is saying, what I'd like to say is that don't be discouraged when you don't feel God's presence. God is still there, and it may just be that God is putting you through a moment of of trial uh, that that you're going to grow through, and He's going to use that silence or sense that I can't. I'm not holding on to His fingers like I was holding on to His fingers. God's going to use that moment to actually see you grow up and mature as. A Christian. Does that make sense? Totally. And and it kind of reminds me of something that you told me maybe two years ago when I first moved out here. Mm. I don't know if you even remember telling me this, but you told me, Liza, God tests and mm. Satan tempts. Amen. Yep. And, you know, a lot of times when I don't feel the Lord, I, I feel him hitting me in the face after the time that I don't feel him, if that makes sense, because okay. I learn. And then I have this literal come to Jesus moment where it's like, oh, that's what you're trying to teach me. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah, something that I'm learning now too is that, you know, no matter how much I feel like I need to chase after God and I can never find him, mm. it's really cool to look back and realize God's been chasing me after a long and yeah. you know, listeners, he's chasing after you he's too. He's with you. He's pursuing you. He, he doesn't. He never gets. It's, it's if you don't feel God's presence, God hasn't moved. That's one thing that people say. God, God hasn't moved. You have. That's Whoa. one thing to say. But, um, <laughs> but that just broke my brain. I think <laughs> my brain is broken. But that, yeah, what you um, what you mentioned there that um, God doesn't tempt us, and even as I talk about God might be putting you through a trial. God tests just in the way that when you're in your educational part of your life, what's a test for? A test is in order to promote. So it's it's in order to um, to master something so that you can move forward. And so God puts us through tests because he wants us to mature. He wants our character to mature more in the likeness of Christ. But God, God doesn't tempt. Mm-hmm. Temptation is I want to pull you away from me. I want to pull you away from my ways. Uh, I want to convince you that something else is good other than God. Uh, that's temptation. God doesn't tempt, but he does He does put us through trials. And there are times where we feel his hand pull away. And it's very confusing, just as like a little kid would think, why are you letting go? Uh, but there's a reason for it, and we'll see it in due time. Mm. That's so good. So I might have said I had two thoughts, but I actually have three. So, <laughs> Or wait, I actually have four. Okay, I've got four. So the second, the second, are you ready for the second one? Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> I mean, with all this talk, um, with all this talk about trial and testing, and God might might be speaking to you in silence and uh, putting you through a time where you don't feel His presence because He wants you to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. I also don't want to discount the idea that there may be some some disobedience or what we sometimes would call a pervading sin or a persistent sin that uh, is is causing your relationship with God to go cold 
and that God is pushing into you about. And mm-hmm. uh, so it's, I think it's often the case when we don't feel God's presence that God has really put something on your mind, on your heart. He's made it clear, and you've refused it, and things are going to be quiet and cold until you submit and you say, yes, Lord, I recognize that, and I'm not going to get it perfect, but I'm going to give in to that. Does that make sense? Totally, totally. Um, third thing is I want to talk about attention, attention. So as we're growing in Christ, uh, people talk about practicing the presence of God. And what does that mean? Um, We see what we're looking for. So just like as a new believer, you see something that's new in your life, but we always see what we're looking for. If you walk into a room and someone says, notice everything that's red, and you you look around, notice everything that's red, and then you close your eyes, and they say, now picture in your mind everything that's blue. Uh, you're not going to be able to picture anything because um, you only could picture the things that are red. Have you ever done that exercise? I have done one. It was actually this YouTube video that was viral where it's, you know, count how many basketballs are being passed okay. yeah, back yeah, yeah, and yeah. forth. I remember that. And in the background, there's a gorilla. There's a dancing gorilla. <laughs> yeah, that, moving across the screen, but you don't notice it you because don't even notice it. <laughs> you're trying to count all the basketballs passing back. That and is 100% perfect. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we're wired. We, we notice what we're looking for. And so there was a French Christian philosopher named Simone Weil. She's a really sharp thinker and always blows me out of the water. And she said, attention is the rarest and purest form of generosity, like you're actually giving something when you give attention. When you give attention, what are you giving attention to? And then she said, attention taken to its highest degree is the same thing as prayer. It presupposes faith and love. Absolutely unmixed attention is prayer. Wow. I've never thought about it that way. I know. And I, and the thing about it, so a lot of times as Christians, we're like, pray always. You can always pray wherever you are. You can pray. Oh, mm-hmm. I can't pray in school. Yeah, you can. Just start praying. <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, close your eyes and pray while you're driving down the highway and all that. Um, <laughs> super safe. Super safe. But, <laughs> no, um, officer, I swear. Oh, I was praying. That's right. Um, but to think about prayer as attention, attention as prayer, wherever you are, you can pay attention to God. And so as we grow up, we need, as Christians, we need to learn how to pay attention to God more regularly, and practice the presence of God. Mm. Well, what's the fourth thing, Tim? So, fourth thing, um, the Christian disciplines of reading and worship and prayer. Uh, You know, reading the Bible, you hear the voice of God. Coming to worship, you're surrounded with others who are giving attention to God. Regular prayer, you're in conversation with God. And these things, over time, help you to recognize that God is always present, even when sometimes you don't feel like his presence is as powerful as it was in the past. Mm-hmm. Those things help you to recognize he's always there. Well, and I, I come to notice that when um, I have friends that call it the first 15, the first 15 minutes of your day, mm. um, I think I used to see it as checking off a box as a chore. Um, but the more I started to practice in it, I realized that my whole day was completely offset if I didn't do it. Yeah, And so it made me want to and enjoy it more. But I want to stop down on prayer just for a second because prayer looks different to a lot of people. Um, You said, you know, people could pray in school or 
an yeah. unmixed attention is prayer that Simone said, right? Well, I'm just trying to think of the different ways that people pray and practice prayer because my grandma, for example, would break mm. out into prayer mm. at what felt like inappropriate times, and I never understood it growing up. Mm. And I do now. Mm. Um, it mm. would, you know, we'd be driving to McDonald's and get a McFlurry, and right after, she'd just say, Lord, thank you mm. for sweet treats that we get to enjoy with each other, and thank you. And I'd be like, who is she talking to? You uh-huh. know, because right. I didn't understand hello, grandma, we're having a conversation here. And then she just cuts out, right? And there's something so beautiful about that and the way that she really actively looks for God in the small things. Yeah. And so it comes back to kind of what we were talking about in the very first episode, um, how we want this podcast to be a place to invite conversations in around those things. Right. Um but also posturing ourselves before the Lord in in day-to-day life. Right. So what you're saying to me is these four things that you've said are ways to posture yourself before the Lord. And God is there. He hasn't gone anywhere. He is there. Um, Sometimes we feel like his love has gone cold or has changed or has shifted, Mm -hmm. but he loves you just as much as he always had. Mm -hmm. And one of the last things, the last thing I would say is that when you go to the Psalms, there's plenty of Psalms that uh, go into a place of lament and I'd say even complaint and disappointment, feeling the same things that we feel as Christians in these moments. And um, I'm just going to drop Psalm 42, 3 to 5 on us uh, to close us out. My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God, under the protection of the Mighty One, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Downcast. Why so disturbed within you? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Every believer, every follower of Jesus goes through these moments where you think, where have you gone, Lord? And we remember those times where we were in his presence and strength. And we pray, we persevere, and we find him again. God hasn't gone anywhere. He loves you. Thanks so much, guys, for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the Light and Life podcast.